Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. This faith community knows how to nurture children. We know how to nurture children as they grow into faithful adults. We sing, we ask questions, we explore, we feed and love them. In ninth grade, we hand our kids a compass and ask them, where is your true north? What will guide your living and loving? In essence, the purpose of coming of age is to ask our youth to sit with the big questions of faith and live into the answers. Today, you're going to hear excerpts from the statements of faith written by our coming of age class. This year, we had a class of 31 youth. Now, friends, when I say that to my colleagues in faith, they gasp. That is a big, big number. It's a testament to the strength and vitality of our religious education program. Now, you will only be hearing just a few excerpts because I can't include them all, but what you will get a taste of is the variety, the depth, the caliber of our faithful youth. And my friends, it makes my heart burst with joy. Yesterday, I went out of here on cloud nine. These beloved people are members of our coming-of-age class. They are reading excerpts from their own statements and a few, a few from their classmates. Today, they represent their class, and they speak from their hearts. I am weird, and I'm pretty sure I get it from my mom. (laughs) She once woke me up in the middle of the night and drove north because there was like a 2% chance we could see the Aurora Borealis. Spoiler alert, we didn't see it. But we did find an empty playground and ate gas station food while looking at more stars than I would ever see in the cities. I looked up and wondered about where we come from and where we go. I felt that there is a higher power, but I didn't know what. I am weird, because I'd rather sleep on the ground underneath stars than on a king-sized mattress in an air-conditioned house. I'd rather be knee-deep in the mud removing invasive species than sitting behind a desk crunching numbers. I like to feel the earth because it reminds me that it can heal itself, and so we can. Trees grow through the concrete in New Orleans, and fields repair after being torn apart by a tornado. We can cure our greed, our anger, our sadness. We can help each other and help the earth heal. I believe we can help each other by pulling together instead of separating apart based on made-up stereotypes. We can be better and we can heal. I believe that you are weird and I know that I am weird and that is good. That is my faith statement and I'm Alexander Daninger.
scratch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. A quote from Octavia E. Butler in Parable of the Sower. The intersection of ideas and people is a large part of my background and therefore has greatly impacted what I believe in. I had a dad, I have a dad who is black and Christian, a mom who is white and gay, a stepmom and two step siblings who immigrated from Ecuador. The perspectives of those who I love has shaped my own set of beliefs. When I was younger, I spent Sundays with my dad at Believer's Fellowship Christian Church. My dad is one of the best people I know because he is Christian. Every day, he chooses to live by his beliefs through showing generosity, kindness towards others, and integrity. When I was in fifth grade, my mom, my stepfamily, and I started regularly attending this church. From Unitarian Universalism, I have learned a different yet similar set of values. I have learned how to show compassion and fairness in my actions and words, to lead with love, and to fight systems of injustice. As I look closer, I notice an intersection of these values with the Christian values I have been taught. I think that God is a spirit who watches over us. I believe in fate to a certain extent. I believe God controls the events in our lives that we do not have control over, but how we choose to act based on these experiences impacts our perception of God and therefore God. I believe that our lives are a combination of God and our own actions. Therefore, God impacts us, but we also impact God. God is change. That is my faith statement. I'm Zoe Mulvihill. Universal design is defined as the design and composition of an environment so it can be accessed, understood, and used to the greatest extent possible by all people, regardless of their age, size, ability, or disability. There are seven principles of universal design. The first one is equitable use, meaning everything is accessible to everyone. I experience the need for universal design through my disability, but other people can experience the need through race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation. When universal design is in place, I become my true self. I experience wholeness because when there are no barriers, I truly experience the world, and the world can truly experience me. Universal design aligns with UU values. We're all about inclusion, but just because we try to live by our beliefs doesn't mean we are always perfect at practicing them. We are human. We have flaws. However, another principle of universal design is tolerance for error. We all make mistakes. Universal design reminds me it's okay to be who I am with my flaws and to accept others with their flaws. Jesus said, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt, a seasoning that brings out the godliness of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? I believe in universal design and accepting the full saltiness of, of who we are. This is a faith statement from my friend, Ray Ray Blythus. This year, I have learned so much about myself and the world I live in. Part of this may have come from me maturing, 
if you can call it that. But most of it stems from, a direct, uh, from thinking critically about life's big questions. This is a direct result of a big life change that forced me to question what I know to be true in life. In September, I moved from a small town in Wisconsin, where I was one of the few non-conservative kids in my class, to Minneapolis, where I'm one of the few non-liberal kids in my class. <laughs> While I was part of an open and accepting community of people in Wisconsin, and I knew about social problems, it was not something that I thought about often. In contrast, here I am constantly challenged to think about what I am doing and its impacts on the world. When I was brainstorming for this, I realized that I could talk for hours and hours about faith and about being human, but I feel like it can be summed up pretty well. Well, I think that many of my decisions are based on logic and reason. To me, there is something else, a spiritual center of each person that makes them unique and shapes their life. I believe that this soul is an invisible connection be between humans that comes from their unique shared experience. My name is Isaiah Curtis, and this is my statement of faith. God, what comes to mind? When I was younger, the image of God that was put into my head was some old white guy in the sky that had our plates planned out, that had our fates planned out on some sort of holy checklist. Personally, that idea of God never resonated with me. Naturally, I decided I was an atheist. Around that same time, I was in the torture also known as middle school. <laughs> Although the peak in hormones probably had something to do with it, the dominant reason I was so miserable was because I didn't have enough relationships. I drifted silently from class to class and then came home to an empty house. I felt isolated. There is one cure for isolation. It's a crazy thing we call God. I mean, love. Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> love. What comes to mind? Love is something no one defines because there's no need to. We've all felt it at some point. The best way I can describe it is seeing someone for who they really are and accepting them and knowing that they are doing the same for you. My beliefs about God have changed since middle school. I do believe in God, but to me, it's not a guy in the sky who controls us. I think God is the energy you feel when you're part of a community full of love. For instance, at school every morning, I meet two of my friends. We ask each other how we are and catch up on what happened to us in the past day. What I feel with those friends is the love that I might call God. I'm Sophia Curran-Moore, and this is my statement of faith. In 2013, my grandfather passed away in a sudden motorcycle accident. I was nine years old. One year later, my other grandfather, my dada, passed away from rheumatoid arthritis. I was 10. I didn't know how to process that loss at that age, so I turned to the one thing I knew helped people get through hard times, prayer. So I began praying. I would kneel by the side of my bed, clasp my hands, close my eyes, and pray. 
At first, it was hard to get into the practice. Sometimes my prayers would be more like me telling God what I wanted. God, please let mom and dad find the kindness within themselves to buy me ice cream tomorrow. <laughs> Other times, it was more serious. God, why did Dada have to die? I imagined that God was somewhere listening to my prayers. God didn't necessarily have to be acting on them. I was well aware God couldn't bring my grandfathers back, no matter how much I prayed. But God helped me. I felt more at ease, like the pain and sadness of their deaths could be lifted off my shoulders through prayer. Prayer helped, so I kept praying. Over time, my vision of the God that I'm praying to has changed. Now when I kneel down and clasp my hands, I tell God what I'm grateful for. I tell God about people who I think could use extra support or people who are going through hard times. Praying is my way of sending good energy their way. I tell God about everything and anything. The practice of prayer has become a cornerstone of my faith. It has helped me become a more centered and strong human being. Prayer surprised me. God surprised me. But this surprise was the best thing that has ever happened. I'm Satya Mavdani, and that was my statement of faith. We're going to close with a poem by our friend, our friend Sylvia Lepic called At My Back. I am not scared, for I have giants at my back. I am not lost, for I have guides at my back. I am not cruel, for I have children at my back. I am not hurt, for I have healers at my back. I am not careless, for I have wanderers at my back. I am not alone, for I have friends at my back. Just, Just as, as I am, am at theirs. Mama. Say it with me. Mama. One more time. Mama. The word is almost instinctual. Mama. The sound of the word contains visceral memories. Mother. Mom. Mommy. These memories that are so visceral stimulate and spark feelings and flashes in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. The word mama is one of the most universal sounds that no matter where you are in the world, no matter what language you speak, you understand what that means. Now, for those of us with cantankerous toddlers and disputatious teenagers, the demanding call for mama can sound more like a curse word <laughs> instead of a polite request that recognizes our vaulted status in society as parental authorities and bastions of wisdom. But why is this evocative, simple sound so ubiquitous? With little variation around the world, linguists 
hypothesized that the nasal sound in mama comes from the sucking activities of a baby with a slight nasal murmur. The only phonation which can be produced when the lips are pressed to a mother's breast or to the feeding of a bottle. Later, this phonatory reaction to nursing is reproduced as an anticipatory signal at the mere sight of food. And finally, as a manifestation of a desire to eat. Or more generally, as an expression of discontent. <laughs> and impatience. Longing for that missing food or longing for that absent nurser or longing for any ungranted wish. In other words, we cry out mama until our needs are satisfied. That expression of discontent, that impatient longing for missing food, that impatient longing for nursing, that ungranted wish, is not unfamiliar to many of us as adults. Many of us still cry out mama long after we are weaned from the breast and have differentiated ourselves. We call out for mother when we go through our first major breakup, land that good job, or have a tough decision to make. Or we simply cry out mama because we still are seeking to satisfy needs that went untended to, unrecognized when we were six months old. It is in this complexity that we are faced with every year as we celebrate this day. At its most basic level, Mother's Day has had a shimmery aura that seems to make everything about motherhood glow with roses and chocolates and brunches and dandelion bunches of bouquets and handmade cars and gifts made out of macaroni yarn and glitter. Mother's Day and all the associated platitudes about loveliness, parental devotion, and maternal goodness have limitations for us as we ponder the assumptions, tropes, and fantasies of what motherhood should be in this culture. Sure, for some people, Mother's Day is just as peaceful and lovely and as enchanting as the commercials make it seem. Zoe, the chalice lighter today, shared with me a beautiful Mother's Day that she prepared with her sisters for her two moms, and it was just glorious, a scavenger hunt. Uh, I can't say what other things are coming later because they are here, <laughs> but there are many more surprises. Uh, breakfast in bed and, and games and just a wonderful, wonderful time. I was so enheartened by what I heard Zoe share with such enthusiasm about this day. But for, for others, Mother's Day is fraught with loss, grief, longing, and for some, bitterness. And for many people, Mother's Day is an aching and muddy walk into the trenches 
of past arguments, present dilemmas, and future wonder. Some of us today are grieving the loss of their mother, whether this is their first Mother's Day without her, or it's been decades. Some of us who have dreams of becoming a mother have been put on hold or vanished altogether due to infertility, miscarriage, or some other bodily betrayal. Among lots of gay folks, particularly of my generation, who have performed the role of mother all year long or forgotten our Mother's Day because we are considered to be too masculine to be considered a mommy. First time I ever said that. It's real. And there are many of us who have had awkward, weird, and estranged relationships with our mothers for which this day reminds us in the overdrive of the hallmark pixels everywhere. And there are mothers who lost one of their precious babies way too soon. On this day, they're reminded they have lost them to childhood cancers, suburban high school shooters, ICE detention centers, and the scourge of opiates. Years ago, I read a beautiful Christian dedication called The Wide Continuum of Mothering by Amy Young. You know, I had to do a little adaptation. So today I present you an adaptation of this with a universalist spin. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who have lost a child, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, in cars filled with goldfish crumbs and Cheerios, and wear the marks of food stains on silk blouses to work, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through failed adoptions or kids who run away from home, we hold you close. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with the pokes and the prods and the tears and the disappointments, forgive us when we say stupid things. Oh, they've said stupid things too. Ashley and I, as we've lost three. To those who are foster moms, butch moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you, we learn from you, we need you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we are here with you. And you can pick any of us to be a surrogate child today. To those of you who, like me, have estranged relationships with a sibling, who hid my mother 
from me for five years in a nursing home while she died of Alzheimer's and who I find out that my mother had died on the internet while I was at work one day, I say to my sister, I forgive you. And I ask you to grieve with me today. To those who've experienced abuse and neglect at the hands of your mother, we're here to heal with you. To those who have lived through the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. And to those who support mothers who don't want to be mothers, we thank you. And to all of those who donated to the Free Black Mothers Bail Fund today to get black moms who can't afford to make bail for misdemeanors out of jail on Mother's Day, we are glad you did that. And to those of you who are single and long wait to be married and mothering your own children, we wait with you. To those whose mothers, who are mothers without the title, we love you. We love you. And to those who step-parent, co-parent, and sort of parent, <laughs> we walk with you on these complex paths. <laughs> to those of you who will have empty nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you as you consider what you're going to do with that room. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your choice to love in community and remember how you hold that child in your heart every day. And to those of you who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you and we support your choices. And those of you who are sick of Mother's Day, Just wait a month or so. It'll be Father's Day. <laughs> no baggage there, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.